You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. What will drive Bitcoin finally to a million dollars and beyond? Ethereum to 200,000 and so much more in the crypto space. I spoke to Kevin O'Leary, AKA Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. He started a company, uh, WonderFi, all about the crypto space. He's spoken to people who manage trillions of dollars and asked them, what will it take for you to start buying crypto? And I interviewed him on a stage at a conference at the Las Vegas Web3 Expo. Here's the conversation. It's fascinating. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Let's have some fun. Thank you, Kevin. That yeah. was fantastic. We're going to sit. We're going to stand. What do you want to do? I think this guy should be a stand-up comic forever. He's fantastic. Fantastic. He knows how to deliver a line. I was watching earlier. He's fantastic. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned earlier, James is the host of a very popular podcast. He's interviewed everyone from Ray Dalio to Mark Cuban, Peter Thiel, Ariana Huffington, <laughs> Kevin O'Leary. 
Yeah, we had some fun. That was good. Um, so today we've organized a fireside chat for you all. So think of it as a podcast, a live podcast for you. So James, go ahead. Take it away. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. And thank you, Kevin. Such an interesting talk. I want to remind you, I don't know if you remember, in 2015, you wrote the book Cold Hard Truth on Marriage and Money. Yes. Great book. You actually came on my podcast in 2015, seven years ago, and we discussed it. And you told me that you actually did three years, and you recommended this for three years of financial due diligence before you got married. You did this on your wife. Yep. It's true. Well, I think you got to understand what you're getting yourself into. I mean, the reason most marriages fail is not infidelity. It's, it's financial pressure. It's one outspending the other or something they didn't tell you uh, early on uh, about, you know, some debt or whatever it is. You got to check that out. I mean, it sounds cold and harsh, but marriage is basically the foundation of it's, it's a business. You're setting up a business, a family business, and you better have strong financial pillars and understand. I'm very fortunate. My wife is not motivated by money. She just doesn't care. She's way more into the family stuff, which is great for me, but she still knows how to spend on my daughter when she's breaking those rules I've set up. She'll go to New York and lavish her with clothes that she shouldn't be getting, but I have to look the other way. You've got to be flexible sometimes. But the bottom line is, it, it's, it, you know, you've got to figure out in a marriage where money sits because it's always at the table if you don't have any. Well, you know, what you said had a big impact on me, and I really listened to you on that, and I thought about it a lot. And I did end up getting married in, in 2019, or t December 31st, 2018. And I, unfortunately, I did not follow your advice. I almost said unfortunate, but I did not follow your advice. I did due diligence on my wife for about eight weeks and then got married. But so far, so good. Everything's going well. So I was thinking a different outcome you were going to tell me. No, no, that, no. I that's got lucky good. as well. I'm very happy to hear that. That's great. So a few weeks ago, we were talking, you and I were talking on my podcast. We started off talking about, about crypto. But I want to ask you really quickly about, in your talk, about the current economy, because that's what's on everyone's mind. And you, and you were talking about it a bit. Do you think the Fed might, like, I've never seen the Fed not only raise rates this quickly, but I've never seen them talk the way they do. Like, the Fed is going out there and saying, your housing prices are going down. This, we're crashing this economy. They're basically saying that, like, verbally. And do you think they're using that as a policy to lower inflation? Because they know that raising interest rates could have a very bad outcome, so they're using words instead. I think they're trying everything they can. They look at that print at 8.1%, and they just don't know what they have to do to get it to at least roll over, to get some sign of it slowing. And, and I, I, I think a better way to look at it is you print $7 billion in 30 months. What did you think was going to happen? Like, I mean... I mean, it's, it's that simple. It's, it's so simple. You got to stop printing money. Like, that's, you got to stop all these stupid bills and another reason just to print money because we're going to get into hyperinflation here if they don't stop. They're going to keep jacking rates up. It's still going to keep going up because we've got supply chain problems causing inflation. But the, the core problem is QE1, QE2, QE3, QE4, QEXYZ, and then free money for students, free money for inflation fighting. It's all BS. It's just printing money. And that is kind of like Venezuela got in trouble. So, so at some point, though, even if there's high prices, people will just simply stop spending money. Like the rate hikes will be well, so much. Well, that's the dilemma. I told you, I don't see it yet. They're still spending money. And it, you talk to CEOs of all kinds of companies, the consumer's not rolled over yet. There's so much money sloshing around in the system. 
it hasn't gone away yet. You can't even get people to work in California in commercial kitchens. The minimum wage is 15 bucks. You can't even get them for 22 bucks. So they're just saying, eh, I don't want it. And so, you know, we've got this participation rate employment really challenging us. And I think it all goes back to printing too much money. And where did, this is what I don't wonder. You go to every restaurant, like you just mentioned, you know, commercial kitchens in California, but everywhere, people in restaurants, people in hotels, plumbers, electricians, everybody, it seems, stop. we can't find a plumber, we can't find an electrician, we can't find uh, someone to work at the hotel desk. Where did they go? They have a lot of free money. That's what happened. And a lot of them decided to retire on the outcome of this. Asset prices accelerated. Some sold assets. Housing went crazy. Everything went crazy. I don't care whether you had cars, paintings, watches, wine. Every asset increased in value because of just printing money. And that was an opportunity for many people who are on the cusp of retirement to say, eh, I'll retire five years early. I'll just take some off the table. And that did happen. And now we're trying to get them back into the workforce. Um, we've learned a lot. And I think the Fed's learned a lot. I think the government's learning a lot. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens on November 8th, not getting into politics. But you print that much money, shit happens. Like that's basically it. And so where do you see, and this will segue into crypto, where do you see crypto in this in terms of either as a currency or as an investable asset class? Like you, you have a company, Wonderfy, which is doing great things in the crypto yeah. space we'll talk about. But do people, do countries or does the world stop trusting government currency or, or anyway, that's the question. No, I don't see that. The reason we're stalled out on crypto, and I've got a lot of crypto investments, a lot of them. Um, we're stalled out across the board because of lack of regulation. And the reason I say that is if you want to see Bitcoin trade out of this range of 19 and a half to 22 where it's stuck and it's not going anywhere, you have to get sovereign and pension plans to allocate indexing for it. So they would all like to, let's say, own 50 basis points to 100 basis points of just Bitcoin. The big tickets are Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, Polygon, a few other projects. But basically six names would make up a portfolio for a pension plan. And they would allocate maybe, you know, 3% to all six names. Well, 75% of the world's wealth is tied up in pension and sovereign wealth. That's a trillion dollars worth of buying just for Bitcoin alone, if tomorrow morning it was regulated. And so the, the, the way to look at it is you have to make a decision as an investor today. How do I invest in this space? I am convinced now that this will be the 12th sector of the S&P in 10 years because of the productivity enhancement. But the only way you get there is you have to have the regulator on board. And the re you mentioned Wonderfy, that's my largest investment in the infrastructure of, of, uh, of, of crypto, and I'll tell you why I did it. Canada is very advanced. They have a regulator called the OSC that works very closely with the SEC. The OSC was the first ever to take a broker-dealer license, attach it to a crypto exchange, and license it to individual Canadians in every, every, everybody in Canada, in every province, can basically use Wonderfy to own crypto. The government regulates which tokens. They don't allow leverage yet. There's no staking yet. But it's the first time that you can be compliant, not breach any laws. Don't, you're not rogue. You're working with the regulator. Now, 
When I saw that, that became my biggest investment. I said, wow, I can be part of this nascent growth in this country that's very advanced, that I know very, very well, and that would become the model for places like Switzerland, which it did, and then England, which it did, then the United Arab Emirates, which it's doing right now. They're taking the Canadian order, the OSC order, which I have to believe they consulted with the SEC, because I think the SEC is using Canada like a guinea pig, trying these things out. Canada was the first to have an ETF with the underlying asset being Bitcoin. Then he did the same thing with Ethereum. WonderFi, for me, is the largest way I can play the infrastructure. And the company's public, it's totally transparent, it's totally compliant, it reports to the regulator. I run no risk of being on site. I don't want to be a Kim Kardashian with a, with a fine from the SEC. I am not a crypto cowboy. I'm an investor, and I work in many different jurisdictions under regulated environments. I want to play by the rules because the rules is where all the money is. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting... And, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, You have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? 
ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So a lot of times when people say regulation and crypto in the same sentence, they get terrified. Like a few weeks ago, Biden was saying, we're going to have to regulate, you know, crypto and crypto prices fell. A, why do you think people are afraid when Biden says that or any regulator says that? And B, what regulation actually would be bad for crypto? You know, the reason um, people feel very queasy about government regulating crypto is it was born out of a decentralized vision. It was born that way. And the original, if you want to call them Kryptonians, still believe that is the only path forward. Well, that's not true because we've come to the end of that story. We're at a place now where there'll be no more capital appreciation on crypto until it gets regulated. And I'll give you an example. If you're a sovereign wealth fund in the Middle East and you're making $250 million every 12 hours, which many of them do. The only place on earth you can put that is back into the S&P. It's the only market large enough to absorb that much capital every 12 hours and not move the market. Now, they know that, the SEC knows that, and the managers of those funds, many of which are Americans that came out of Harvard working for these countries, know that too. They are never ever going to buy a single Bitcoin or anything else to risk the relationship they have in a regulated environment where they put capital to work. They're just never going to do it. So for all the excitement that we have at these conferences talking about crypto, nobody owns it. None of the real money owns it. Zero owns it, nothing. But the opportunity is when that changes, and I'll give you two bills right now. I'm, I'm like many other people, I've been spending a lot of time in Washington, and they have Senator Toomey, Gildebrandt, um, Haggerty, all these people where they're bringing these bipartisan bills are, are asking for you know, private investors to come in and talk to their staff, which I've done multiple times. This bill, the Transparent Stablecoin Act, only contemplates one thing, one simple thing. It says, if we're going to have a stablecoin and it's going to be regulated, it has to be backed by the US dollar. Fully transparent, fully fungible, 
and any other asset that's backing up that coin has to be of a duration of less than 12 months, very akin to a money market fund. The reason it's a bipartisan bill and why you should care about this is, let's take, you've seen all the debacles that have occurred with algorithmic-based stablecoins. 62 billion erased in 48 hours. Luckily, most of it not in the United States because it's decentralized all around the world. But the point is, that was a Ponzi scheme. That was a joke. But if you back it up on the faith of the US dollar, which is currently, as you pointed out earlier in your talk, the number one currency in value because people trust the US and they have faith in the US government. You may not agree with it, but that's where we're at right now. The reason that act may pass is that it will make, for the first time ever, a digital payment system backed by the US dollar that will become the default payment system worldwide, period. Every country will use it, just like they use the American dollar to buy barrels of oil. This will become the default payment system, but it gets better. The reason Jamie Dimon was howling at the moon about this is he makes a ton of money on ACH and wire transfer fees. These banks have friction. You want to buy a million dollars worth of Nestle stock on the Zurich Exchange and First Banks? You've got to transfer USD from New York to Zurich. They scrape you right there. Then you have to wait three days. They scrape you again. You end up spending a fortune for zero value created. If you had USDC or another stablecoin backed by the US dollar, you could do the transfer in two seconds, pay one or two bips max, and do the same thing in reverse if you decide to sell the stock the next day. The amount of money that's going to be saved on that is so incredibly high that it's going to change the way banking is done. That's just one use case. And this is not a speculative asset. You're not betting that USDC goes up and down. It's backed by the dollar. It's just a payment system. And of course, bank CEOs are howling at the moon saying, it's a Ponzi scheme. Don't let that happen. He's talking his book. Too bad. If he can't compete, who cares? Let him, let, if JP Morgan can't make a product as good as USDC, cry me a river. That's what makes America great. People compete for products and services. Let them compete. And so what regulation, what regulation would actually be bad for crypto that, that, that really would drive the price of Bitcoin The only down? regulation that would hurt crypto permanently would be to ban it. And I think that genie's out of the bottle. What we need is the second act, which is basically the Digital Commodities Act to pass, which contemplates all the rest of crypto. That's a more complicated situation. But you've got turf war going on between the Fed the SEC, other regulators, everybody wants to control this asset. We're going to have to solve for that. But meanwhile, while we don't solve for it, all those MIT grads I talked about, they're all leaving the U.S. We train them. They go work for Sam Bankman-Fried in the Caribbean islands. Or they go over the United Arab Emirates. They leave our country. And all of that talent, all of that incredible programming, all of that leaves because we can't get our poop together and get this thing organized, which is crazy. And every, I'm not the only guy saying this. This is ridiculous. It's got to get fixed. Let the midterms will be over in a few weeks. Let's see what happens. Maybe we can get this first act. The minute the, digital, the, minute the transparent stablecoin act passes, you want to be long some Bitcoin. You want to be long everything in crypto because that'll be the first signal that that's going to happen. And you just don't know when this is going to happen. So my attitude is, if it really is going to be the 12th sector, my strategy is I take 20% of the operating company's portfolio and we're in 52 different projects. Just put money into Miston um, recently. Put more money into Wonderfy. 
I mean, Wonderfy is, it's already sailing. I mean, it's, it's, it's regulated. It's got a million customers. Like that puppy is going to be worth a lot of money one day. And so this is related to, to my next question. I think one problem with widespread crypto acceptance, not on the investor side, but on the user side, is that it's simply hard to get a Bitcoin. Like maybe everybody in this room might have a Bitcoin, maybe not, yeah. or an Ethereum or whatever. But like my grandma can't buy, she can't figure out, she's dead, but she can't figure out, <laughs> if she were alive, she can't figure out how to you know, buy a Bitcoin. If she's still dead, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> So, but, the Main but Street America can't figure out how to simply buy one Bitcoin. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think the infrastructure is not there yet. I think Wonderfy is definitely part of the solution. But when does this start getting solved? Well, actually, you're bringing up a very, very valid point. If tomorrow Bitcoin was regulated, the wallet structure for both centralized and decentralized wallets is, is, is way, is just too crappy. I mean, it's so hard to work with these wallets, particularly decentralized wallets, that most people can't do it. Or when they do it, they, they lose everything they've got because they don't understand the security around it. So the industry itself, and certainly Wonderfy is focusing on this. Um, you know, I opened an account there just to put all of my tokens in one place where I could get a statement that I could show to the IRS and the Canadian tax authorities that was compliant because that's the biggest problem. And so. Companies like Wonderfy are doing this work on the wallet space because in order for this to be a really big asset, it's got to be really easy to use, and it's not. You've made a great point. If you ask somebody, how do I buy Bitcoin? They have no idea. Where do I store it safely? They have no idea. How do I report it to the IRS? They have no idea. Even institutions have no idea. They don't have any infrastructure. Institutions mark to market their portfolios at 401 every day, stocks and bonds. Compliance looks at the positions to see if they're on side. An average mandate would be no more than 5% in any one stock, more than 20% in any one sector. And at the end of the day, they make sure those mandates are kept and that not too much leverage is on the portfolio. That's been going on for decades. We don't have any of that infrastructure. Some companies like FTX are building that infrastructure now. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried's parents are compliance lawyers out of, out of Samford. And I have to disclose, I'm a shareholder of FTX. I'm a shareholder of Circle, but I'm also a paid spokesperson for FTX and I use that account corporately because it's compliant with my auditor and the regulators. So at least he's getting that joke. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's something that really is going to take a while to fix. And let's say the U.S. adopts uh, a central, you know, a digital central bank currency. A lot of people are afraid also that this could take away interest from Bitcoin. Uh, and you said, you know, just a little bit earlier, this is the day you should be buying Bitcoin. So where's, where's the disconnect there? What are people not getting about the benefits of a central bank current digital currency to Bitcoin? Yeah, so the way to look at this is, first of all, the idea that the government's going to make their own digital coin, I think, is a falsehood. And I'll tell you why. The ACH transfer system was built by private actors. The wire system used globally is built by the private sector as well. And then the regulators in every country regulate it. So... The, the advancement in the technology and the skill set you need to actually make a usable uh, you know, product like USDC, it takes incredible talent to do that. And that's a private company out of Boston right now that has very large investors. I want to point out in the F round, there was Fidelity for $200 million, BlackRock for $200 million on the balance sheet, and I was an investor in that round too. That's at a valuation of $9 billion billion dollars. 
That's a lot for a company that has $50 billion worth of USDC out there. But the point is, these real institutions are taking these bets because they see the future. Now, that's a stable coin. Then you talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is where you get price volatility. You don't get that in a stable coin. So if you want the number one granddaddy crypto asset, it's always going to be Bitcoin. You're speculating that its value will increase over time because of the halving and the fact that other institutions will want to own it. So if you want to speculate on value, you go Bitcoin. If you want a payment system that is incredibly efficient, transparent, productive, you go stablecoin. But there's no reason you can't do both. When I was having discussions with Middle Eastern banks, they said, our clients would like to have one stablecoin, they'd like some Bitcoin, they'd like some, some Ethereum, that's it. That's all we want to give them. Can you use the Canadian order to build a system that's closed? We're just going to start with that. That's enough exposure. You're getting basically Ethereum, which is a payment system in itself, if you want to call it that, or blockchain, the granddaddy asset, Bitcoin, and let's say USDC, so that you have something you can actually pay with back and forth. That's how it's going to start. It's going to be very, very small. But Bitcoin is definitely a speculation on value, and I think a good one. And, and you don't think the US development of a USDC is going to um, drive away investor interest from Bitcoin? No, it's just a payment system. It's, the only reason that I have a USDC corporate account is waiting for this to be cleared by the regulator. And when that happens, probably the interest you can get by staking USDC will be better than your bank account, which is paying you still nothing. You know, so you have a decision. Do you tie up your money for two years at 4.3% in a treasury? Or can you use something like stablecoin to make a similar amount on 30-day rollovers? The product will advance itself, but that's what's going to drive the interest. It's a different beast. It's a money market account to some people. It's a payment system to others, but it's not a speculation on price. So if you want to speculate on price and you want to beat inflation, I think you've got to own some Bitcoin. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. To speculate on price, there has to be, let's say, either underlying value or underlying use cases. And so what do you see, or, and maybe this is unknown at this point, but what do you see as big, let's say, world-changing or, or tipping-point use cases for Bitcoin or Ethereum or crypto in general? You know, part of what's happening here is there's a whole new generation of, of people that are growing up only living 
in a digital world. So you ask me, well, why would, my son, for example, I've talked about him a lot today, he's never been inside a bank branch, ever, in his whole life, until I forced him to come in and sign a card so he'd have access to the safety deposit box. And he said, what do we even need this crap for? Like, what are you gonna stick in this box? I said, well, I don't know. I, you know, I like to have a safe deposit box. He said, what? Like, what? Your watches? I said, no, no, I need them where I can wear them. And he said, this is crap. What are we paying money for this for? So that generation doesn't want to go to a branch. Everything's digital for them. And he and his sister own Bitcoin. And I said, why? It's a long-term hold. I said, why don't you own some gold? He said, eh, I got to put it in that stupid box. I'd rather have this in a wallet I understand, and that's my goal. But that's still from like an investor point of view, which is a smart investor point of view. But I'm wondering if someone wants to, like the, the difference between like crypto and stocks, for instance, is that stocks you buy purely as a speculation. Like if I buy shares of McDonald's, it's not like I get hamburgers for it. But with crypto, you are also buying crypto because you're participating in projects that involve those cryptocurrencies. And what do you, do you see any or, or any interesting projects that could be, again, big world-changing use cases? Or do you think the ecosystem is still getting ready for those use cases? I think the use cases for Bitcoin, if we just stay on that, is really price speculation. And either you believe in it as an asset or you don't. And so the, the reason I think it doesn't appreciate in price I articulated earlier there's no demand for it anymore. The institutions want to own it, they want to trade it, they want to speculate with it, but they're not allowed to. When that changes, the market will decide. It doesn't matter what you and I think or anybody in this room thinks. The market will decide what its value is. It, and what I like about it is it trades 24-7 globally, and it is a transfer of wealth opportunity. You can own it, you can transfer it. Now, maybe you're gonna be regulated, so you have to disclose what you're doing, but that's a different problem. But the fact is you don't have to put it in a bank vault. It exists in the cloud as a store of value. And you either believe that or you don't. I believe it. I have a very high allocation to it. Same with Ethereum, same, same with Polygon, same with Solana, same with Mistin, the new one that just came out last week. Uh, bought a piece of that too. I buy them all because I don't know which of these platforms is going to survive and I can't know, but I believe you can't take this much intellectual capital, put it into this work and not get incredible outcomes, primarily around financial services. So that's why I do it. And I have to deal with all the naysayers and all the you know, rat poison from Charlie Munger. I love Charlie because he's a cash flow guy, but that is such an ill-informed statement. But you, you know, he has the right to say whatever he wants. He's earned it, but I don't agree with him on that one. Well, do you think there's a little bit of, hey, I spent the past 89 years of my life accumulating billions of $1 bills, and now they're telling me that's going away to Bitcoin. So you think there's an element of that that... Yeah, maybe. But I, I say that there's a digital economy coming. We talked about the, the pivot in America, direct consumer. The next stage of that is the use of digital currencies to make these transactions much faster. A credit card clips 3.5% off you. And there's all these contortions on how you get it back with airline points and blah, 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 blah. It's all friction. And it's stupid in some ways. So why not just say, look, you want to pay me for a service? Pay me in uh, Bitcoin or pay me in uh, USDC. That's coming. And if my wallet's easy to use, you pay me when you're standing right in front of me. You do the transfer right there. And I'll have it and I'll say thank you very much. It's like it already exists in a PayPal world, 
But using the chain is far more efficient, far much faster, and frankly, more attractive to even regulators because they can audit every transaction. You can get rid of bad guys using a, a stable coin because you know exactly who sent it and who got it and when that happened. And there's no hiding that. Well, Kevin, between your talk and this Q&A, you've provided so much value. There's one thing, last thing, I'd, I'd like to just either correct or question you on. You said with MIT, to get into MIT, you need to be like perfect at math. And this is advice I think applies to everybody with kids or grandkids thinking of applying to MIT. One other suggestion, they don't have to be perfect at math. They could apply to MIT to major in theater. They'll get into <laughs> MIT. Thank you so much, Kevin O'Leary. Give it up for Kevin. I Thank love you. this guy. He's fantastic. <laughs>